0: Hello and welcome to The Aid Station. I'm Chris Robb and today we head up to Glasgow in Scotland and really excited to meet John Kinniston, who is the host of a wonderful podcast called Run to the Hills, which focuses on trail running and we'll certainly hear more about that. Great to see you, John.
1: Thank you very much. I must say straight away that I'm not a native of Glasgow. Um, you probably tell by the accent or you may or may or not. Uh, I'm, I am hail from Liverpool originally. That's where I was born and brought up. But we've lived in Paisley just next to Glasgow for the last 19 years.
0: Wonderful. And so we, well, that then obviously begs the question, are you the, the blue or the red side of uh, Liverpool or neither?
1: i um, definitely the blue. Definitely
0: the blue. Definitely yeah. the blue. I love, okay. I love well, my I'm, Everton. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad we didn't speak about that before we set it up because I, I I'm in the, I'm in the red camp. I was a, oh, no. a, a, Grew up in Zimbabwe <laughs> and used to watch Liverpool in on, on the black and white telly when I was a kid, and then obviously Bruce Krobler, <laughs> the the former goalkeeper. So we got a friendly rivalry there, but we were, we won't yes. let that get between us today. John, I'd I'd love to, Um, apart from that, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you, your background and your story.
1: Well, I I, I trained as a PE teacher at Chester College and then um, taught for a little bit. I worked for a Christian organization for uh, three years with students. I met my wife, we got married, went to Bible college. um, Then we went off to Bangladesh for three years. And then we had five years in India um, where we taught in a school. during that time, we had four girls, twins, and then two years later, another one, then another, another fourth girl, two years later. So that was a busy time in our lives. Yeah. Um, we came home in 95, and uh, I worked for a Christian mission society, and basically representing the mission in the Midlands of England, um, and then became an assistant pastor of a church, and then we moved up to Paisley, where I became a pastor for the, for seven years. And then about 10 years ago, I moved into working with Glasgow City Council as an active schools coordinator. So there's a, a quick summary of my life.
0: <laughs> wow, it sounds like an amazing life and, and spending that wonderful time in, and I haven't been to Bangladesh, but I've spent time in, in India and, and both amazing mm. co- countries.
1: I must also say we've got um, seven grandchildren now with a, an eighth on the way. So that just a, completes our, our family, family background.
0: Wow, that, that must keep you very busy. And, uh, and obviously, on top of that, the amazing work that you do in the, in the schools program, and now your Run to the Hills podcast as well. Tell us a little bit about what life's like now during, uh, during the, the COVID period.
1: Yeah, my job. I work as an active schools coordinator in Glasgow. So basically, our role is to make more children more active, more often. So we organise after school clubs. We organise lots of challenges, lots of events, just to get children in primary schools, particularly and secondary, more active. And we recognise as a government, unless we do something about the health of our primary children, we're going to store up problems down the line uh, as they get adults. So it's a great, uh, great program. I really enjoy being involved. Um, At the moment, it's quite different. Our role normally is a coordinating role. So we'll get coaches in, we'll get volunteers in, we'll organize events. All that's been obviously on hold at the moment. So it's a little bit more delivery. Um, So at the moment, on a Monday, Tuesday, I'm in my secondary school and I'm taking groups out cycling uh, for sort of 40 minutes at a time, which is great fun. Uh, Wednesday is more of an admin day. And then Thursday, today, I'll be going to one of my primary schools and doing sessions of orienteering outside for, uh, for the day. So I'll do, I've got eight lessons today of um, sort of heart 40 minutes each, which I'll hopefully get the, get the kids active and running around the playground and searching for clues using their maps. So it's, um, yeah, it's good fun. And then I, I'm working four days a week now with Active Schools, and then I have one day a week to do the podcast. So tomorrow I'll be uh, producing our fifth episode of Run to the Hills.
0: Wonderful. It sounds amazing on, on both levels. And when we spoke uh, a couple of days ago, you were you would just come in from the cycling, what kind of age are the children and, and you know, the, the, the kind of response you see from them they, I'm guessing that there's a mix of some of them that are a bit reluctant to go out there and others that are that absolutely love it. And hopefully the reluctant ones are, are loving it by the end of it. But, but you know, what are some of the changes and impacts that you see th- through that, John?
1: Yeah, I would say on a Monday, Tuesday, I'm in my secondary school. So that means they're children from 12 up to 16, 17. And and all the PE is outside at the moment. And obviously, Scottish weather, sometimes it rains. Um, So uh, we're trying to encourage them to bring coats and equipment so they can go outside. And I was chatting to the head of PE the other day, and she was saying that she can see an improvement in their fitness. Because this first four weeks, they've just concentrated on things like doing fitness sessions and doing um, various games that involve them running around. And um, so it's, that's been quite a, a benefit in some ways that they've increased a bit. Uh, the groups I take out, and um, uh, some of them have not really been on a bike much before. So it's been great just to give them a bit of confidence. I have them for four weeks And uh, you can see the improvement in their cycling. And I'd love to feel that some of them will get their bikes out of the sheds and will start cycling a bit more. And that's what obviously active schools is about, trying to encourage children to find a sport and activity which they do outside of school, not just in school. And then the primary, I have a whole range. So today I'll have a P3 class, which is seven-year-olds, right up to P7, which is uh, 11, 12-year-olds and um and they're great fun and they're they're happy to be outside in all weathers i must admit it's sometimes the parents aren't quite so keen but uh, uh the kids are the kids love it being outside
0: wonderful and and you know that obviously that you'd speak about them getting more fit and learning to ride their bikes but i'm sure there's A huge amount of impact in terms of productivity in terms of self-confidence in terms of well-being I mean particularly the the stresses that you know who knows what some of these poor young kids must be going through in their minds during COVID time and for them getting out and getting active and having fun together I mean are you seeing any you know kind of real stories and examples of that that you might be able to share of a particular kid that you know got uh, you you saw this blossoming of of self-confidence and 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 self-esteem as a result of what they're doing
1: Yeah, definitely. I was talking to a a teacher last week when I was in in the primary school and she was saying she's got one boy in her class who she knows has probably spent probably 10, 12 hours a day on his computer during lockdown. And he probably hasn't been outside at all. And so one of of the things that she's been trying to do, besides the lessons I do, she, she goes out with them and does a daily mile every day. And so they'll run around the pitch. And she said the first week when that boy came back, he couldn't. You know, we couldn't even walk one, one of the laps, never mind run a mile. But as the weeks have gone on, the days have gone on, she can see the, the improvement. And I think that will be replicated throughout the city, throughout the country. You know, I think sadly, there were, uh, there were some some families that the kids just never got out at all. Mm. Um there's other great examples of families doing lots of activities with their kids, obviously. Um, but the ones that we're concerned about is the ones that probably haven't been out and done much exercise at all and so to get them in back in school and to get them moving again is obviously going to be a real benefit
0: yeah wonderful wonderful to see. I'm always interested on these uh, these interviews to to hear some of the challenges uh, during the the last few you know months. Uh, obviously, lockdowns coming and going and so on. But what are some of the challenges that, that you've faced? You know, both in your job and, and and maybe personally. I know your your daughters are mostly grown up now and all around the world with the grandchildren, and one of them in my backyard here in Bali. But uh, you know, in, any challenges in terms of being locked up at home and you know, other things that were were high to deal with or things that you learned about yourself during the period of time
1: yeah i I think personally we felt quite fortunate really both my wife and myself have got salary positions so you know financially things were were okay we live on on the edge of a quite a nice area to run and so from where i live i can go out the door and within a mile i'm up on what's called the glennifer braise and i can i can do a 20 mile loop quite comfortably up there so personally I, i was able to keep running and keep involved in things um, I, I, th- I think work-wise, I think that the, ch- the real challenge has been just um, sort of doing what we normally do. And that's, that's been quite hard. Um, so when when lockdown started, we were obviously working from home and we tried to do some things that the children could do. So we did a, a lockdown Olympics and uh, I, I really love making little videos. So we, we had nine events and we made a little five-minute video of how to how to do it and examples of what to do. And we had quite a few thousand children taking part in that over the summer and just trying to get them, again, more active. So I think the the challenge is we're just trying to do things a bit differently now Um, and how long this is going to last. We don't know. So we're just trying to think of different things. We we have a big event called the the Great Scottish Run, which is a half marathon uh, and a 10K. And we have a schools run normally on the Friday before the weekend, which is normally would have been on the 2nd of October. And um, so that would have been we have about 3000 children coming in in different groups and they do a 2K run and then they have half an hour of come and try different sports. And it's a a big flagship program of ours. And obviously that's been cancelled. But what we've just launched actually is um, is a virtual Great Scottish run. So we're encouraging classes as a class to run the West Highland way virtually, which is 96 miles. So we've just signed up. We've got um, 466 classes from 88 schools that have signed up, which we reckon is over 8,500 pupils. And each of them hopefully will run at least three miles because if you've got a class of 25, then you each need to run around about three or four miles each to complete the, the 96 miles. And in fact, one of your guests, Benji Bosanti, yeah. who was one of my colleagues here, uh, Benji is providing all the, um, uh, the website for us. So the schools will have a virtual map. So they'll be able to see where they are on that virtual map as they make their way from Mulgai to Fort William. So that's been something which has been really encouraging how many classes have signed up and those teachers are, are going to, have an incentive to encourage their class to run uh, over this. It starts on the 21st of September and they've got two weeks to complete it.
0: What a wonderful story. I was on a call with Benji incidentally this morning mm. and, uh, and, and he was sharing that. And, you know, again, it's, it's wonderful how the, the industry's changed, how we're getting more people coming into it. Those that, uh, uh, you know, mm. are, are missing out or finding ways to do it. You were even sharing that, you know, you were interviewing last night, uh, you know, there's uh, tell us about I think you said the, the, the four different hundred mile races that you you were interviewing the winners on the podcast and the challenge is that, you know, the, these people are, are running these these races in a really condensed period of time and, you know, everyone's desperate to get out there and do the activities yeah. but it presents challenges talk to us a little bit about your show and what you do on the on the show and who you've been interviewing.
1: Yeah. Over the last eight years, I've done a podcast for the West Highland Way um, and I've really enjoyed doing that. And then during lockdown, I started doing some live interviews with key ultra runners and race directors to keep the community together. And I started thinking, I wonder if I could do this more regularly as a, like a weekly show that would highlight a race that's just happened. And so I was thinking of doing this myself. And then it's a guy called T- uh, uh, Tim Taylor from Chia Charge. They make um, flapjacks using chia seeds. And Tim asked me, would I take over the podcast that they'd started called Run to the Hills? And um, so I started that with a, a co-host, Edwina Sutton. Which this is our fifth episode tomorrow. And uh, basically, we look at a, a race that's just happened. So this episode that will go out tomorrow is about the Thames Path 100. And that's part of the Centurion races down south of England. And they have four races. And normally, those 400-mile races are spread out over maybe five or six months. But because the ones in April and June were all cancelled, they put them all together in this, this period of time in the autumn. So basically, there's four races within 13 weeks. And I think there was about 30 people who signed up to do all four. And after two races, it's down to, I think it's about 17. Because <laughs> um, already, yeah, people have dropped out. because It's such a tough challenge to run 100 miles, four weeks later, another 100. Four weeks, five weeks later, another one. And then one more four weeks later. So I, I interviewed two guys who, who were doing the Grand Slam. And it was really interesting because um, the, the, first, the first race they did, they were within two, two hours of each other. One was 26 hours, one was about 24. And then the second race, one just gone, one was nine, just over 19 hours and the other one was 26 and a bit. And I asked them what they did in between. And one of them did very little. They recovered, they had a week off, they did minimal amounts and then went, you know, in a little taper and then went into the race. The other one is on a streak of, of eight years of running every single day. So he carried on running every day and he, um, and he did 280 miles between the two races. So Rob, let me ask you a question. Okay. Which do you think was the faster in the second race? The one who, who spent time recovering or the one who kept running every day
0: i i would probably my gut would tell me the one who had a break but you're probably going to tell me it was the one that kept running every day
1: (laughs) yeah it was amazing it was really interesting to talk to them because it was the guy who is on a run streak and he just carried on and he said because he's used to running every day he recovers really quickly Quickly. and so he actually he actually had a, a three and a half hour pb on, his, on, that, on that race that's just gone on So it was, yeah, I, I love it And So on the podcast, what I try to do is get the winners So we had the male and the female winner And that was fascinating, chatting to them about their, their race and how it went But also to get people down the field as well So it's not just about the elite runners, the podcast yeah. And we try and sort of highlight um, different things We get different people on um, we also do some live interviews. I did my first one on Tuesday with a guy called Donnie Campbell, a Scottish runner, and he's just completed all the Munros, all 282 in one go. It took him just under 32 days. He broke the record by seven days. And, uh, and not just going up and down all the Munros, but you've got to cycle and kayak between them. So he was a guest on Tuesday. Um, well, so I'm awesome. really enjoying the, the podcast and the YouTube channel. And it's something which I'd, I'd love to see develop and grow. And it's great having some contact now with folks in New Zealand as well. We're going to try and cover some of their races in the coming yeah. year. Um, so maybe it will be global and not just the UK.
0: Wonderful. Sounds, sounds incredibly inspiring, which leads me into, you know, the finale. I always love to finish with something inspiring. I'm sure you've seen and heard many inspiring stories. Mm. Is there one that particularly stands out that you'd like to share, please, John?
1: Well, I must admit that that's the one that's most on my mind at the moment, having just interviewed Donny, And I think that does inspire me because this, this was a challenge that is st- a record that has stood for 10 years and it looked as though it was very difficult to beat. And Donnie set himself a really high standard. And he had a tracker. So every day I was on there three or four times a day seeing where he was and how he was doing. Yeah, there's one Munro, Ben, ben Lomond, which is quite close to us, it's only an hour away. So he was there on the Saturday. So we went over, climbed up, and we were on the top as Donny came up. And I did a little interview with him for five minutes on the top of Ben Lomond. Um, but just watching his story. And I, I think the thing that I've learned most about ultra running, I've been involved now for about 12, 13 years is that your body can do more than your mind says it can. Yeah. You know? And time and again, I've proved that myself, some of the races I've done and watching other people. And uh, you, you, know, you think you've reached your limits. You think your body can't go another step. And then some, you have something to eat, you have a little rest. Someone says something to you that might just inspire you and you get going and you discover that you can do more. And that's what I just love about endurance. And for me, ultra running is you just don't know where the, where the limit is because you find, you think you get there. And like Donnie, when I was interviewing him, he said that after about 17 days, he really started struggling because he was two and a half weeks in, but he was not even halfway. And there was this every big, big days, day after day. And he just found Groundhog Day. And he just thought, can I do this? What's the point of it? You know, does it really matter? But he, he did, and he got through. And the amazing thing was the last two days, the last 48 hours, he didn't sleep. He went right through two nights to finish inside the thir- inside 32 cool. days.
0: Wow. Yeah, so anyway, that, that was inspiring. John, what, what, what great stories and, and you know, so many other things that we could have spoken about, but uh, time's flown by. Wonderful to catch yeah. up with you. I wish you all your best with Run to the Hills and uh, let's, uh, let's stay in contact and, and, and see how we can uh, maybe work together going down the track. It, uh, it sounds like a wonderful journey that you've just embarked on.
1: Yeah. And I'd love to have you. you on our show. So we'll, we'll arrange that as well.
0: That'd be yeah. wonderful. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Yeah.